0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, the CDC has extended the eviction moratorium, once again, forbidding property owners from evicting tenants who don't pay their rent. Biden admits that um, this isn't constitutional and he has no authority to do what he's doing, and yet he does it anyway. This is what it's like to live in a lawless country. We'll talk about that. Also, we have our five headlines. The New York, the New York attorney general releases her report detailing Governor Cuomo's serial sexual harassment. But I'm still mostly concerned about the fact that Cuomo killed thousands of elderly people. That, to me, seems like the bigger deal. Plus. The NIH director says that parents should wear masks in their homes to protect their children and later backtracks. And in our Daily Cancellation, we'll talk about the rapper who's in the middle of a PR crisis because of his comments that he made about gay people. Yet this rapper says many more objectionable things in his songs, and few people seem to have a problem with that. We'll discuss that confusing contradiction and much more today on The Matt Wall Show. Well, you may not realize this, but it's not fun to feel sick. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life. I have. I wouldn't recommend it necessarily. And uh, if you don't like feeling sick, then Relief Band is for you. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, which is, my, which is the scourge that I deal with, um, anxiety, migraine, hangover, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all-natural relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. Uh, the great thing is that this technology was originally developed in hospitals, you know, decades ago, and for a while was only available to patients in hospitals. But now, through ReliefBand, it's, it's uh, available to the masses. And it, what it does is it stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of, the, of your brain that controls nausea, and then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you are sick. In short, nausea is never the reason to miss out on life's important moments. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for Matt Walsh listeners. If you go to ReliefBand.com, use promo code Walsh, you'll receive 20% off, plus free shipping and a no-questions-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code Walsh for 20% off. If the last 18 months have taught us anything, it's that we live in a fundamentally lawless country. The law is dead in America. We have laws, certainly. Lots of them. More laws than any nation has ever had, I'm sure. New bills are all like war and peace, both because they're over a thousand pages and because nobody's actually read them. Um, Our problem is not then a scarcity of laws. This is not a problem of quantity. The problem is that there is no foundational underlying law, which everyone, including our leaders, recognize and abide by. All of these new laws and policies spring forth out of the imagination of politicians and unelected bureaucrats they're not meant to serve any greater purpose except the political and ideological needs of the ruling class. And this state of affairs would be quite bad, but not as bad as it actually is if these arbitrary edicts were enforced equally, but they're not. Winners and losers are chosen by that same ruling class if they decide they can wave their scepters and excuse certain groups of people from the duty to obey even the most basic and universal laws, as we all witnessed when bloodthirsty mobs rioted and looted in our cities for months, and few in that crowd have faced any legal penalties for it. Of course, I say there is no foundational underlying law which everyone must abide by, but I mean that in a practical sense. That law does exist in theory, and it's called the Constitution, but the Constitution is just a document. It's not a deity. It doesn't possess the supernatural ability to enforce itself. Those in power must choose to heed it, If they don't, then it may as well not exist. See, we can scream, that's unconstitutional, all we want. But the people in power simply shrug their shoulders and respond, yeah, so what? What are you going to do about it? And that's where we are now and where we were yesterday when the CDC extended its eviction moratorium for another two months. Now, this moratorium was initially put in place last September as the CDC stood upon its mighty perch on Mount Olympus and declared that property owners are not allowed to evict tenants from their property, even if those tenants refuse to pay. The CDC, of course, has absolutely no actual authority whatsoever to set housing policy. In fact, if you look at the CDC's website and you read its mission statement, here's what it says. CDC works 24-7 to protect America from health, safety, and security threats, both foreign and in the U.S., Whether diseases start at home or abroad or chronic or acute, curable or preventable, human error or deliberate attack, CDC fights disease and supports communities and citizens to do the same. Now, they're clearly doing a very bad job at all of that, but you'll notice that even in their own description of themselves and what they do, they don't say anything about housing policy. Be that as it may, they made the policy anyway. And it expired over the weekend, and the White House admitted, after it expired, that the executive branch does not have the authority to extend it. Biden said this and then called on the legislator to act, said they're going to they're gonna have to be the ones to do it. We can't do it. And, and by the way, it's, it's arguable, it's dubious. In fact, I, I would say right now, even Congress doesn't really have the constitutional authority to declare that all landlords across the entire country cannot evict any tenants. tenants. Um, but Congress didn't act. And so Biden said, okay, never mind. We'll go ahead and do the thing that I just admitted we don't have the authority to do. And the moratorium was extended on a limited basis, we're told. Oh, it's, it's limited this time, except that it still applies to 90% of the population. That's what counts as limited in the federal government's eyes, 90%. Uh, the, the extended moratorium also comes with criminal penalties for any property owner who dares to kick out a squatter from their property. A reporter from Business Insider reports, quote, the new 60-day CDC eviction moratorium carries steep criminal penalties for individual landlords who break the law. Potential $100,000 fine and one year in jail if eviction doesn't result in death, up to $250,000 fine and, uh, and one year in jail if evicted person dies. And what do we even mean by that? Like, are they, it's eviction that results in death? I mean, if you evict someone by throwing them out the 10th story window, then I can see how that's an eviction that results in death. But if you evict someone because they're not paying and then later on they die, how is that your fault? And how do we even, is it, is it if I evict you and then you die tomorrow, that's my fault. What if you die six months from now? And, and, and let's back up even further, breaks the law. What law? No law has been passed. Is the CDC now a legislative entity? Apparently we're supposed to believe that it is. They're passing laws now. Now Biden, for his part, admitted in a press conference last night that the moratorium is probably not constitutional and will probably get struck down in court. But the good news, he says, is that it will take a while before that happens. And uh, there's a lot of power grabbing we can do in the meantime. Let's listen.
1: The... Bulk of the constitutional scholarship says that it's not likely to pass constitutional muster. Number one. But there are several key scholars who think that it may and it's worth the effort. But the present, you could not, the courts already ruled on the present eviction moratorium. So I think what you're going to see, and I look, I want to make it clear, I told you I would not tell the Justice Department or the medical experts, the scientists, what they should say or do. So I don't want to get ahead. The CDC has to make this. I asked the CDC to go back and consider other options that may be available to them. You're going to hear from them what those other options are. I have been informed they're about to make a judgment as to potential other options. Whether that option will pass constitutional measure with this administration, I can't tell you. I don't know. There are a few scholars who say it will and others who say it's not likely to. But at a minimum, by the time it gets litigated, it will probably give some additional time while we're getting that $45 billion out to people who are, in fact, behind in the rent and don't have the money.
0: Okay, let me just interpret what, uh, translate what Mr. Magoo is saying here. Uh, The President of the United States is admitting openly that he is engaging in an unconstitutional power grab that almost certainly will not pass muster in the courts. Only he says, well, by the time the courts can do anything about it, uh, it'll be too late. Now, he's far from the first president to engage in an unconstitutional power grab. Um, I mean, they, they... All have, going back decades and decades and decades. But um, what is arguably unusual is that he should be so forthright about it. Once again, the message is, yeah, this is unconstitutional. What are you peons going to do about it? Well, we know who isn't going to do anything about it, Republicans. As the President of the United States engages in this unprecedented, unconstitutional power grab, admitting again that it is unconstitutional, Republicans have very little to say about it. The CDC has assumed the power to write legislation and has removed property rights from millions of Americans in the process. Property rights. One of the the most fundamental rights you can have. If you don't have property rights, then you don't have rights. You, You do not live in a free country. There is no such thing as a free country where you don't have property rights. And this is happening and our trusty conservatives, quote unquote, in the Republican Party can hardly be bothered to vocally object to it, saying almost nothing about it. Now, perhaps if this was happening in Cuba or the Middle East, Republicans would be a little bit more upset. But the rights of actual Americans seem to not really be a priority of either party. Speaking of those actual Americans, um, you know, the law, the Constitution, our basic property rights are all being set on fire for the sake of protecting millions of renters who allegedly can't pay their rent. Except that those renters live in a country with millions of open jobs and have collectively received billions of dollars in assistance already just in the past year. Sorry, not billions, trillions. Trillions of dollars in assistance have been passed and is available. And the the checks have been cut and have been sent to these people. And we're supposed to believe that millions of them still can't pay their rent? Sorry, no. I don't buy it. Not for a second. If they haven't paid their rent in a year, it's because they've chosen not to. It's because they've chosen not to. They have decided to steal. And yes, if you've been living in a rented property for a year or almost a year now and haven't paid a dime towards it, you're stealing. And they're doing it because they know that the federal government will assist them in the appropriation of someone else's property. What is happening here is that private property is being taken, appropriated, and given to, thir- to other parties as essentially a form of welfare. As for the landlords... Though they are painted as some shadowy group of wealthy, evil land barons, the fact is that a great number of of them are middle-class individual investors. They're experiencing real suffering and hardship, which has been caused not by a virus or any act of God, but by a combination of the government who believe that they are God and greedy, mooching tenants. Many of these people are on the brink or already over it. So just as an example, let me share with you a couple of stories um, a number of property owners with uh, rental properties have, have messaged me as I've been talking about this over the last few days to tell me what they've been going through. And uh, the media isn't going to tell you these stories. So let me just read a couple, okay? And these are representative. These are not extreme outlying things. These, this is, this is what, what thousands and thousands of people are going through right now. So let me read a couple. Here's one. My wife and I own two houses, our home we live in and a previous home that we decided to rent out. We got a tenant in at the end of last year and received the first two months' rent. After that, he kept giving me excuses for not paying. Then suddenly he changed his phone number and wouldn't contact me. I went to the house multiple times over the next month and it appeared abandoned. I went through the proper steps, even getting state legislatures, looking at loopholes in the moratorium. But because the tenant wouldn't make contact with me to confirm he was abandoning the property, I wasn't allowed to evict him. The state of Minnesota has a rental assistance program to help with this, but because the tenant wasn't communicating, I wasn't eligible for support. You see, apparently, they would pay him if I wouldn't cooperate on the application, but they won't pay me if he doesn't cooperate. Makes sense, right? Shortly after this, the utilities were allowed to be shut off, but now that it was summer, I needed the AC to run so that it wouldn't destroy the interior of the house. So now, we're paying the mortgage and the utilities on a house we don't live in. It's been seven months. Now that the moratorium has ended, I was legally required to email the tenant, who, again, hasn't lived in my house in months, to let him know he wasn't he that he was being evicted but he replied that he would like to apply for assistance from the state and now I am legally required to go through that process we are now waiting on the state to pay me back rent but there's no guarantee he will, we will receive that money it's tough to pay two mortgages two utilities and take care of two houses by the way the rent/mortgage slash are over $1000 a month and that's a in there's a lot in there that's important but one important point and I got and I got I've heard this from many People in this position that, you know, if you're hearing, oh, well, the landlords can get rental assistance or there's assistance for them. There are a lot of loopholes you have to go through and a lot of contingencies. And one thing I'm hearing over and over again is that if if you're a landlord and you want to get payback, your tenants have to cooperate with that and help you out. And if they don't, then you're out of luck. Um, Here's another. It says, I lost my job when COVID hit. My wife wasn't working as we just had our third child. I was not entitled to welfare due to assets, a rental property with a mortgage of $500,000. When the tenants sent a letter stating that they had received advice that they did not have to pay rent and we could not kick them out. In the meantime, the tenants were now making more money than they were when they started renting. I dread the damage I'm up for when we finally get them out in October this year, as they have not let the agent inspect since COVID hit. I have felt close to the brink. And one more, it says, I'm working all all the overtime I can so I can still pay the mortgage on my rental property so they can live there for free. I don't think that they lost their jobs either. They're just gaming the system. I have a couple of friends in the same situation. There are many, many more stories where these come from. Many thousands more. This is real suffering brought on by real tyranny from an oppressive government which recognizes no law outside of itself. No limit Except its own imagination. Which brings us back to where we started. There is no law in this country anymore, but there is a government. And it's simply doing whatever it wants. Now let's get to our five headlines. Well, given the subject uh, to begin the show today about our tyrannical overlords and their lawlessness, there couldn't be a better time to tell you about Ben Shapiro's latest book, if you haven't heard us talk about it yet, The Authoritarian Moment, which does a deep dive into the history of authoritarianism and how it's creeping into our own government and most importantly, what you can do to stop it. So it's time to learn how to say no to this tyrannical government. The Authoritarian Moment is now available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other major bookseller. So get your copy now. Uh, Again, that's The Authoritarian Moment on sale today. So my, my wife and kids, quick update from the, from the homestead. My wife and kids are currently in the midst of a full-on pressure campaign to convince me to get a dog. And the thing is, we, we talked about the dog thing. You know, I'm obviously not a dog person, to put it mildly. I, I think that is a well-established fact. But I could maybe be convinced to consider a dog that would be good with the kids— and like a good companion for the kids. Because um, the kids, the, of course, like all kids, they love dogs. But most importantly, a guard dog, right? So because I don't, I don't really, I'm not a big dog guy, but, but, but lots of, I don't really like dogs. But lots of people really don't like me. Really, really don't like me. So we have security concerns in my family. And I've already put in place plenty of security measures, of course. But having a big scary dog that's, you know, protective and all of that. From everything I've heard, that, that's kind of like the second best security thing you can have aside from, from uh, owning a gun. Might even be in some cases better than the gun. though no, really, you know, there's no reason why you have to choose between the two. But in terms of just like uh, dissuading someone from even making an attempt in the first place. So I'm thinking about that. I'm considering it. And then my, my wife ends up going to a shelter with the kids yesterday and um, starts frantically texting me pictures of all of these different dogs. And some of them are small and old and lethargic. She was trying to, at one point to convince me to, to adopt, like, this 12-year-old miniature corgi-looking thing. What the hell is that thing going to—what is it going to guard, a Lego house? And, uh, you know, and, and she says, oh, well, look at all these dogs. They're cute. Well, these, these cute dogs. Well, okay, yeah, they're cute, but, but if I'm going to have a dog in the house— uh, it needs to do a lot more than be cute. Okay, it has to serve some purpose other than being cute. We already have cute in the house. We, the kids are cute. We, we've got the cute quotient covered. Like I'm not getting up at five o'clock in the morning or whatever to, to take this thing for a walk, and consoling myself by saying, "Well, at least it's cute." I could maybe console myself by the thought that uh, that the dog is helping my wife and kids be safe and feel safe. You know, I'm willing to invest in that. I'm I'm just not willing to invest in cute. You got to do better than cute. I mean, cute isn't even good enough for my kids. My daughter can't get out of doing chores by saying, well, but daddy, I'm cute. Okay, well, yeah, get upstairs and clean your room. Be cute cleaning your room. That's the cutest thing you could do right now. So... That's uh, it's my mistake for opening the door in the first place. I never should have done that. I never should have entertained the possibility of a dog. And, uh, and this is where we are now. Okay, um, number one, the New York Attorney General announced yesterday that after an investigation, it has been determined that Governor Cuomo is a serial sexual harasser, which I think we already kind of knew, but they did a full investigation and uh, did a press conference to released the whole report. Here is the Attorney General describing some of their findings. Let's watch
2: The independent investigation has concluded that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law. Specifically, the investigation found that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed current and former New York State employees by engaging in unwelcome and non-consensual touching and making numerous offensive comments of a suggestive and sexual nature that created a hostile work environment for women. The investigators independently corroborated and substantiated these facts through interviews and evidence, including contemporaneous notes and communications. This evidence will be made available to the public along with the report.
0: Okay, he created a a hostile work environment for uh, for women. He was sounds like he's just sort of a, a pig and a jerk to women. And there's a, the whole report was released. You could read the entire report if, for some reason, you want to. Now, Governor Cuomo is uh, not apologizing. He is not backing down an inch. Uh, people, are, it, it seems that you know there there are, are plenty of conservatives, uh, social media that were kind of celebrating and say, oh, he's going down, he's going down for this, he might. I'm not ready to say that he won't, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put all my money on it, okay? I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my life savings on this actually bringing Andrew Cuomo down. Because at the end of the day, even if, even if everyone seems to be turning on him right now, the media is turning on him, his fellow Democrats in New York are, he is still, at the end of the day, a Democrat. And even for Andrew Cuomo, that uh, provide that is a force field that can protect you from almost anything, and that's why he's taking this approach. Rather than apologizing, he uh, held a you know, he, he he spoke to the media afterwards, had a televised address, did not apologize, basically accused all these women of lying, and then he also explained uh, he explained much of this away by claiming that well he gropes and manhandles. Everyone, not just attractive women. And that's supposed to make it all better. Let's listen to some of uh, Andrew Cuomo here. I do
3: it with everyone. Black and white, young and old, straight and LGBTQ, powerful people, friends, strangers, people who I meet on the street. After the event, the woman told the press that she took offense at the gesture. And for that, I apologize. Another woman stated that I kissed her on the forehead at our Christmas party and that I said, Ciao Bella. Now, I don't remember doing it, but I'm sure that I did. I do kiss people on the forehead. I do kiss people on the cheek. I do kiss people on the hand. I do embrace people. I do hug people, men and women. I do on occasion say, ciao Bella. On occasion, I do slip and say, sweetheart, or darling, or honey. I do banter with people. I do tell jokes. Some better than others. I am the same person in public as I am in private. Yeah,
0: well, that's part—that's part of the problem, there, uh, Cuomo, because you're a horrible person in public. So, hey, guys, I'm horrible in public. What'd you expect? I mean, that is, in some ways, a kind of oddly powerful argument, I suppose. But this this is this is his response. And if you're just listening to the audio podcast, you, you might have missed the slideshow that he assembled and put together, where he was talking about all the people that he gropes. And then there was a slideshow of him groping uh, people of all different races, ethnicities, creeds, and so on. Look, I grope everyone. Okay, and no one is safe from me. I'll i I will I will grope and touch anyone, black, white, young, old, the postman, the cashier at Home Depot, the disabled humans, animals. If space aliens landed here, I would grope them too in a heartbeat. It's what I do. That's his defense. Uh, and it was surprisingly not very convincing or compelling to a lot of people, though, again, it doesn't mean that he's actually going to uh, suffer any real consequence for this whatsoever. And he's obviously not going to step down himself. His, his, uh, he's, he's wagering on the fact that he's a Democrat and he can ride this one out. And he's probably right about that. Now, as far as the accusations themselves, I did read a little bit of the report and um, at least some of the sort of summary summaries of the of the findings. And some of what he's accused of doing is clearly, clearly goes beyond being merely inappropriate. Uh, he's accused in some cases of grabbing women under underneath their shirts and so on. There's like sec- that is sexual assault. Um, that goes beyond sexual harassment. And that's, that's the accusation anyway. But then it is also odd. When, when you have claims like that, okay, that's sexual harassment, or rather, that's sexual assault. But then in the report, they also include things like uh, he, 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 has, he referred to some women as single mamas and at another point called them mingle mamas, whatever, whatever that means. Uh, He said at at one point he was talking to some female assistant or something, and he said that uh, he he really wants to take a woman on a motorcycle ride into the mountains. I don't know if that's some kind of euphemism or if he actually just literally just wants to go to the mountains on a motorcycle, whatever it is. But those kinds of calling someone a single mama. uh, That's kind of weird, arguably inappropriate if they're your employee, but it's not illegal. I I wouldn't even call that sexual harassment. In fact, I would. I would not call that sexual harassment. So you're kind of lumping that stuff in with what would be, if if it actually happened, straight up, straightforward sexual assault. Um, And so that raises some questions. Though I don't doubt that the guy's a creep. And yet, I put all this to the side because all of this pales in comparison to the fact that Andrew Cuomo killed thousands of elderly people. And he did kill them. He consigned them to their death. He signed their death warrants. Okay, he locked them in nursing homes with people that he knew to be infected by this virus that primarily kills the elderly in nursing homes. Okay, he, he locked them in a room with a with a with a with a bomb and lit the fuse. So it's it's hard for me to care about sexual harassment complaints. It's hard for me to muster any real outrage about this, given that he, again, killed thousands of elderly people. When I think of of Andrew Cuomo and the terrible things that he's done that will, to me, always be the first thing that comes to mind, and I don't really need to think about anything else. So if he does go down for, for this, the sexual harassment, what, what, what will it say about our culture that this is what brings him down? That he could murder thousands of elderly people and suffer no consequence. For, remember, this was known, the nursing home scandal was known when he was still um, being hailed as a hero across the country, especially by the media. And he got the big book deal and he went on a book tour. And you had people in the media, even men like Trevor Noah, describing themselves as homosexuals. That happened after we knew about him condemning thousands of elderly people to a horrible death. So he suffered no consequence for that at all. And that might be understating. In fact, he was celebrated for that. Um, And then it comes out that he made inappropriate comments to women in the workplace and made an uncomfortable workplace environment for women, as the attorney general says. And that's the thing that makes people go, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. This crosses a line here. Hold on. Wait a second. Okay, you kill you kill uh, thousands of elderly people, that's one thing we can overlook that. But you called a woman a single mama? No, sir, we can't accept that. Is totally demented and deranged. That this is the thing. Now I know you could say, well, they're both bad, and we could be upset about both. Yes, they're both bad, but one is on a totally different plane. When you're talking about mass murder, as opposed to what is mostly inappropriate comments, now there were, again, a few accusations of actual physical contact being made, but most of the accusations are about inappropriate comments. And this is being called a sexual harassment scandal, after all, even by the media. So you've got inappropriate comments down here, and then up here, you've got mass murder. Yeah, they're both bad, but, but I can't make equal space in my heart to be equally outraged by both. I'm so outraged by the mass murder that it doesn't, the sexual harassment claim, it, it's, it's there's, there's no room for that in terms of, of, of my outrage. You know, uh, John Wayne Gacy murdered dozens of young men. And when I think about John Wayne Gacy, that's what comes to mind. That's like all I need to know about him. It may be true. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me that he was also rude to his next door neighbor and made inappropriate comments. But it would just seem weird if you said, hey, John Wayne Gacy, yeah, he he, uh, he murdered, you know, 30 young men. He also made inappropriate comments to his next door neighbor. And we could be upset about both, you know. We can, but... How can you even put those two things in the same sentence is my question. All right, let's move on. Here's something good, something that will cheer you up, really cheer you up. Okay, this is actually good. This is uh, Tamira mensa stock who's our Olympic gold medal winning women's wrestler. And uh, after her big win, she was talking to the media. And we know what, what we very often get from these Olympic athletes when they win, they use it as an opportunity to complain about America, to complain about everything. They're, you know, they're they're they've won a medal, but they're so upset. Um, but this woman, Tamira, has taken a very different approach. And just listen to this.
3: Of course I surprise myself. It's by the grace of God, I'm able to even move my feet. Like, I just leave it in his hands and I pray that all the practice, that the hell that my freaking coaches put me through pays off. And every single time it does, and I get better and better. And it's so weird that there is no cap to the limit that I can do. And I'm, I'm excited to see what, what I have next.
4: Last question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this?
3: It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it. And I'm so happy I get to represent U.S.A. <laughs> love it. Well,
0: <laughs> so, okay, there, there's an Olympic athlete we could actually root for. We found one at least. There might be a few others. And that's wonderful. You know, that is it, it just g- gratitude is such an appealing characteristic. Um, and, a, and humility is such an appealing characteristic. And you think about the women's USA soccer team, Megan Rapinoe, compare the two. Megan Rapinoe is such an unappealing, sort of viscerally disgusting person because she's had all the success in the world and she has no gratitude, no humility. All she does is complain. All the money she makes, it's not enough. Well, I don't make as much as the men yeah, well, well, people watch men's soccer. They don't care about women's soccer. Nobody cares about this. They don't watch it. Yeah, I still want the same amount of money. So all she can do is complain. It's just so disgusting and unappealing, and no one wants. And you compare that to, um, to this woman again, Tamira Mensa Stock. And there's a woman you just you want to root for her. You want her to succeed. Um, I I don't I don't care at all about women's wrestling. I have to admit. But I want her to succeed. This is the one and only women's wrestler that uh, that I actually care about, and I'm and I'm happy for her success because of that humility and that gratitude, and um, and but it's it's also sad in another way that that um, this is is now rare. Not to take anything away from her at all, but you know, ten years ago or twenty years ago. To have an athlete saying everything she said there, we, we, we would all be happy about it and, and we would say, well, that's that's great. We're very happy for them. But it wouldn't get the kind of attention. At least, you know, this is getting a lot of attention from at least conservatives and, and just normal people. The media is, is not paying a lot of attention. They're not going to extol her and praise her the way that they do. Losers like Megan Rapinoe. Or, you know, uh, or someone like uh, uh, Simone Biles but in the public anyway she's getting a lot of attention and a lot of praise. You go back 20 years or something or even more recently than that and uh, yeah people would be very happy but it's but like most athletes would have responded that way especially on the olympic stage. You go back not that long ago and this is like what every American olympic athlete was, was saying. And now it is so rare and so refreshing that it's you know it's like you watch that kind of gratitude it's it's a, it's a, it's a it's a drink of, of cold water in a desert. And it feels very refreshing. So that's the sad part of it. But even so, um, great to see that from uh, Tamira Mensa stock Okay. A couple other things we have to mention. Uh, what do we got? So the director of the NIH, Francis Collins, claimed yesterday that vaccinated parents must wear masks at home with their kids. That's what he said. Now, I'll play this for you. And later on, he would backtrack and kind of imply that he didn't really say that. But you listen to this, and you tell me if if, if that's what you're picking up from this. Let's, let's listen. Uh, you have heard those stories coming out of Louisiana pediatric ICUs, where there are kids as young as a few months old who are sick from this. That is rare. Certainly younger people are less
4: likely to fall ill. But anybody who tries to tell you, ah, oh, you don't have to worry about it if you're a young, healthy person, there's many counterexamples all around us now. Well, so, yeah, you do
1: need
0: to think about it. And that's the reason why the recommendations are uh, for kids under 12, uh, that they avoid being in places where they might get infected, which means recommendations of mask wearing in schools and that at home, uh, parents of unvaccinated
1: kids should be thoughtful about this. And the recommendation is to wear masks there as well.
3: Let me just
0: follow up. I know that's
1: uncomfortable. I know it seems weird, but it is the best way to protect your kids.
0: Okay, he said at home. The recommendation is to wear masks there as well. I know that's weird. It's uncomfortable. No, 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 uh, Francis. It's not weird or uncomfortable. Well, it is, but I, I would prefer to use a word like psychotic. It is psychotic uh, to to suggest that or to do it. Because what you're saying is, you know, wear the mask in public, wear it at home. So wear the mask all the time, every waking moment, and maybe even, even when you're sleeping, wear the mask all the time. That's what he suggested. Now, he went after the backlash to this, people reacting the way any rational person should to that kind of suggestion that you should be wearing medical masks all the time, including in your own home. Uh, he came back around and said, well, I, I bungled the messaging a little bit. I didn't really mean that. Well, what do you mean you didn't mean that? That's exactly what you said. It was not a slip of the tongue. It was a very deliberate statement. And he even acknowledges that it's weird, but yet he said it. So this was an, this was an, an intentional thing. And because the public reacted to it the way they did, um, that's why the NIH backed off of it. If there had not been that reaction, then they would have just stuck with that. Yeah, wear the mask at home which only goes to show you know we talk about living in a lawless country and and we are but so much of the lawlessness from the government requires the willing participation and cooperation and acquiescence of the public if the public says absolutely not i am just not going to do this if if everyone together gets together and says that what are you going to do arrest all of us you start passing the mask passing the mask mandates i'm we're not doing it it's not going to do it. Put us all in jail. Go ahead. If we all were to say that, or even most of us, then a lot of this stuff goes away because it has to. It requires us to participate and cooperate. All right. Um, I also want this, more COVID news while we're on the subject. This is Here's uh, this from The Hill. It says, New York City will require proof of vaccination for workers and customers who want to participate in indoor activities, including dining in restaurants, working out in gyms, and attending theater performance performances, according to Mayor Bill de Blasio. Uh, Bill de Blasio uh, gave a press conference talking about this new measure, and let's listen to that.
4: So today I announce a new approach, which we're calling the Key to NYC Pass, the Key to New York City. When you hear those words, I want you to imagine the notion that because someone's vaccinated, they can do all the amazing things that are available in this city. This is a miraculous place, literally full of wonders. And if you're vaccinated, all that's gonna open up to you. You'll have the key, you can open the door. But if you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate in many things. That's the point we're trying to get across. It's time for people to see vaccination as literally necessary to living a good and full and healthy life. The key to NYC pass will be a first in the nation approach. It will require vaccination for workers and customers in indoor dining, in indoor fitness facilities, indoor entertainment facilities. This is going to be a requirement. The only way to patronize these establishments indoors will be if you're vaccinated, at least one dose. The same for folks in terms of work. They'll need at least one dose. This is crucial because we know that this will encourage a lot more vaccination. We've seen it already.
0: He really does look like Gumby and Rex Ryan had a baby, doesn't he? And this, it, the way that they, you want to talk about lawless tyranny. And it just makes it all the worse in a lot of ways that it's approach. He's talking to us like he's a preschool teacher and we're his his, we're his students. And he's saying, now you got to follow the rules Or you won't be able to go to recess. You want to go to recess. You got to follow the rules. Taking away our privileges. Only the privileges here are just participating in society. Going out in public and participating in society. That is a a privilege that the mayor can "Eh, just take away from you. Can't do that anymore. And the wording is very revealing because he says that we want you to see it as if getting a vaccine is a key to living a a good and healthy life, which isn't the same thing as saying that getting the vaccine actually is the key to a a good and healthy life. That's not the claim he's making. He's saying that we're, we're going to artificially set it up so that you can't live a good and enjoyable life without the vaccine. Which, which, is, which is an interesting way of putting it. And none of this stuff is... Not, if Mayor Bill de Blasio actually believes himself that the vaccines work, then none of this would be necessary. Putting aside whether he has the authority to do this, which he doesn't, because he's not actually a dictator. He's a, he's a mayor. He's not an emperor, okay? He's not an Egyptian pharaoh. He's, he's the mayor of a city in, in what's supposed to be a free country. But if he really believed that the vaccine worked then what's what is the point of any of this then you get the vaccine you 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 know you'll you'll be healthy and you'll be relatively safe at least as far as the covid goes no matter what anybody else does but instead he says the only way to keep everyone safe is if the unvaccinated people are forced to stay in their homes locked in there or, or cast off into leper colonies that is an odd approach, if you actually believe in the efficacy of the vaccines. All right, moving now to reading the YouTube comments. This is from John. He says, hey, Matt, just the other day in Savannah, I witnessed a similar panhandle stunt in a parking garage. On the back of their car, they had written, about to pop the question, will you buy me a drink? Disgusting. Well, that kind of gives away that you're going to pop the question, doesn't it? You've written it on the windshield of your car. Um, all right. Uh, Gothic Serpent says, Matt, dude. You really need to start being a little more diversified, man. I really like you, but you spend way too much time talking about transsexuals and way too much time on individual freaks that, at the end of the day, really don't warrant you spending so much time analyzing. There's so much important things going on, and you literally never address other matters. I'm not saying the stuff that you've been talking about isn't warranted. Uh, I really feel like you're selling yourself and your fans a little bit short. And as you're a truly incredibly intelligent and well-thought-out guy, I think we all would be better off if you maybe opined about other matters as well. Literally never address other matters. I never do. Well, i mean, just off the top of my head this week. We're three days into the week. Uh, I've talked about what the eviction moratorium, masks, vaccines, people who panhandle on their cash app accounts, Costco, dogs, COVID in Florida, Andrew Cuomo, the Babylon Bee, cyberbullying me, uh, pushiesty, the Olympics, childhood indoctrination, critical race theory, euthanasia, laws governing, governing HIV exposure in Illinois. That's a partial list of all the things I've talked about in three days. I talk about like eight or nine different topics a day, okay? But yeah, I mean, other than that, other than all of that, I literally have only talked about transsexuals. It's the only thing I've talked about. Um, Now, is it true that I talk about the war on gender a lot? Yeah. I mean, every show you listen to has certain topics that they go back to and return to frequently. For a lot of conservative shows, you're going to hear them talk about Joe Biden every day. For four years, among conservatives and liberals, um, if, if if you listen to a talk show or watch something on cable news, like the only thing they talked about, I mean, literally almost the only thing was Donald Trump for four years. So, um, and some shows uh, these days are going to talk a lot about CRT or or socialism, and that's going to be a theme they return to. I talk talk about all those things because they're important. But the gender stuff is a persistent theme because I think it's quite possibly the most important and consequential thing happening in our culture today. And most people won't talk about it or at least won't talk about it as directly as I will. And um, so that's why I do it. And that's not going to change ever. So you could decide if you want to keep listening or not. That's up to you. Frankly, I don't care that much. Maybe I should, but I don't. Um, Maximilian says, Matt balances pride and humility just perfectly. Well, you're right. That is just one of my many talents. Um, and uh, Red Copperfield says, homeowners make money by sitting on their Rent is a money that goes nowhere. Uh, it's not an, an investment. Well, right. That's, I, I don't know if this is supposed to be, a, a, you know if you're trying to make a point about landlords and if this is supposed to be supportive of landlords or not. But you, you are correct, though, that if you're a homeowner, you, you accrue equity just by owning a home. It's an investment. Which is why in mo- I, the, the vast majority of people renting right now probably should not be renting. If you know that you're going to be in a place very temporarily, then yeah, renting makes sense. But if you're in a place and you and you are planning to be there for a while, it just doesn't make any sense, sense to rent. You're going to have to, well, right now, I guess you could live there. You could, you know, if, you, if you're a moocher and a thief and you don't mind being that, then you could rent somewhere and not even pay. But under normal circumstances, you got to pay either way. The question is, do you want to pay someone else's mortgage or pay off your own? And then you get to have the equity and you get to own the thing when it comes down to it. That's really the question. I think obviously uh, the latter is the better option. You know, for some reason, people seem to love watching a group of guys get together backstage, smoke cigars, drink whiskey, talk about the state of the world. And Because people seem to love it, we thought it'd be extra cool if uh, you would join us. Well, they thought it'd be cool if you'd join us. They didn't ask my opinion. That's why we're giving away a trip for two to come hang with the Daily Wire host backstage here at our Nashville studio, where you can meet us, tour the studios and offices, get a great swag bag of merch and watch us debate on the show live. But you're um, going to want to hurry because this is your last chance. So if you're not a member yet, head to dailywire.com backstage and enter code backstage in uh, at checkout for 25% off. Your membership, and you get automatically entered to win one of the coolest trips you'll ever take. And remember, if you do come, don't look me in the eye and don't speak to me. Also, our newest podcast, Morning Wire, has been hovering at the top of the charts on Apple and Spotify since its release, and it's pretty clear why, because it's the only daily news podcast that values your time and the truth. And while we're working overtime to bring you the news you need to know, we need your help to keep the facts trending towards number one. So subscribe now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So the rapper DaBaby has, uh, I can't even say his name without laughing. Uh, The rapper DaBaby, I don't know how to emphasize DaBaby. 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 The rapper DaBaby has found himself in the middle of a full-blown PR crisis stemming from comments he made at a concert recently. And by the way, please don't confuse uh, DaBaby with Lil Baby or Baby or Bad Baby. These are all different people, different babies, I think. Uh, DaBaby is, is, is the one who's in trouble now because he used anti-gay slurs during a concert in Miami recently. At one point during the show, he called for people who don't have HIV to put their cell phone lights up. Uh, now, if you haven't been to a concert since 2005, just so you know, the cell phone light has replaced the lighter. So, you know, you put that up like, like people used to put lighters up at concerts. He also called for men who haven't performed certain sexual acts on other men in the parking lot to put their cell phone lights up. It isn't clear why he said this or why he brought it up, but it would appear to be some kind of joke that he made. And uh, the joke did not land. Quickly, other artists came out and condemned Baby. Young artists like Dua Lipa, whoever that is. I, I don't know. I can't even say these people's names. Um... And old artists like Elton John and Madonna also came out. Many others spoke out to chastise baby and uh, put him in timeout like so many babies before him. And then the financial penalties really kicked in. Lollapalooza dropped him from their lineup. iHeart Radio Festival dropped him. He was dumped by Austin City Limits and the Governor's Ball. He was banned from performing at his cousin's birthday party. Uh, the point is he, he quickly became persona non grata across the music industry. Now, DeBaby tried to satiate the mob by addressing the situation on Instagram in the immediate aftermath. His remarks were, and we'll play them for you, I think you'll agree, they're they're quite eloquent and uh, and worth listening to. Let's listen.
5: We Internet one time, and I'm going to get back to giving my love to my fans. See what I'm saying? Because what me and my fans do at the live show, it don't concern you on the Internet or you bitter on the Internet. It's not your business. You know what I'm saying? Like, what I do at a live show is for the audience at the live show. It'll never translate correctly to somebody looking at a little five, six second clip from their fing <laughs> crib on their phone. It just don't work like that. Like, you know, because regardless of what you talking about or how the internet and twisted up my motherfucking word, me and all my fans at the show, the gay ones and the straight ones, we turned the f- up. I'm talking about my boy that was at the front of the stage, left over there by where I jumped at. Ask him, he got clips all on his sh- the whole night was recording, we would turned the whole night. My boy had the crop top on, front row. Yeah, out there in that, in that jungle, in that water. Yeah, he out there, he's standing on the rail, got them cutting up, he knows the words. I saw him, I'm, I'm rapping them f- with him.
0: Hmm, indeed. It is not your business. And, and he raises a good point. I mean, there was a guy with a crop top in the front row. And he was turned. What else do you want? The guy with the crop top was turned. So it's not your business. End of discussion. Except it was not the end of the discussion. Shockingly, the statement that uh, he released there didn't do anything to quell the outrage. So he tried again with a written statement and full apology I'll read this statement to you, and uh, I don't know. It just sounds a little bit different from what we just heard there in Instagram, but uh, I don't know. You tell me. He say, this is what was the statement that was published from the baby." Social media moves so fast that people want to demolish you before you even have the opportunity to grow, educate, and learn from your mistakes. As a man who has made his own way from very difficult circumstances, having people I know publicly working against me, knowing that what I needed was education on these topics and guidance, has been challenging. I appreciate the many people who came to me with kindness, who reached out to me privately to offer wisdom, education, and resources. That's what I needed, and it was received. I want to apologize to the LGBTQ plus community for the hurtful and triggering comments I made. Again, I apologize for my misinformed comments about HIV slash AIDS, and I know education on this is important. Love to all. God bless. Now, now if I know baby, and I don't know him, but still... You know, I don't think he wrote that. I'm guessing he is not the one who wrote the phrase, I apologize to the LGBTQ plus community for the hurtful and triggering comments. But whoever wrote it, it was not enough. DeBaby has crossed a line that you can't cross these days, which is interesting because it's not as though those comments about gay people were the first objectionable things he's ever said in his life. His songs, you know, the songs that these music festivals have hired him to come and perform are each a succession of one objectionable statement after another. In fact, those songs, the songs that again, the music festivals hired him to perform and then banned him from performing, contain statements and ideas that are far more outrageous and offensive than anything he said about HIV or gay people. He actively promotes murder, drug dealing, violent crime of all sorts, the objectification and murder of women, among other things. Just one verse on one song will likely, likely contain all of these things. For example, one of his biggest singles is a song called Suge, which is an homage to uh, Suge Knight, who's the murderous former CEO of Death Row Records, who's now serving time in a maximum security uh, prison for running a guy down in his car and killing him. And the song lives up to its namesake. I'll, I'll play a quick clip just to give you an idea of, uh, of what this guy is all about. Let's Let's play this.
6: Packin' the mail, it's gone uh, She like I smell cologne yeah. I just signed a deal, I'm on Yeah, yeah I go where I want, good. good Play if you want, it's do it huh. I'm a young CEO, sure mm. yeah, 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 yeah The first yeah. can play on my body yeah. I just check my balance I probably pull up to your hood And come buy me a yeah. No cap You know that your hoe told you That nigga crazy Don't think that she lied to you Get shit. caught with your s*** When I'm poppin' them both Now they hot just like Bobby and Whitney ah. Say I'm the GOAT Act like I don't know and I'm obviously winning Don't make me go hit the bank And take out a hundred to show you our pockets is different I'm out with your bitch and I only want knowledge She got a little mileage, I'm chilling You disrespect me and I beat your ass up All in front of your partners and children I'm the type to let you think that I'm broke Until I pop out with a million And take 20k and put that on your head And make one of your partners come kill you Say you with me, then you gotta grow up Cause this nigga gotta be killed. This shit can't fit in my pocket, I got it. Like I hit the lottery, I'm slapping shit out of No talking, I don't like to argue with don't. Ain't gonna be no more laughing. You see me whip out because I'm gonna be the shot me a no yeah. cat. I don't follow no yeah. on Najee, but all of your yeah. they following. Yeah. And yeah. that little nigga yeah. ain't gonna shoot yeah. with that gun. He just pull it out in his picture. Mm-hmm.
0: Truly a masterpiece. And you know, the editors love me when I send them stuff like that. Here you go, guys. Spend the next 15 hours editing this to get all the cuss words out. Um, if you weren't able to understand anything there, let me run through some of the highlights. Here's what he says. The first N word play, I'm a body in N word. I just check my balance. I'll probably pull up to your hood, get caught with your, a- then I'm popping them both. You disrespect me and I'll beat your a- up in front of your partners and children. Take 20K and put that on your head and make one of your partners come kill you, uh, et cetera, and so forth. Now, to review, in just the first verse of one song, he's killing someone, then kill, killing someone else along with that guy's girlfriend. And then he's assaulting someone in front of their children, and then he's putting a hit out on someone else. And later in that song, he blows someone's head off, uh, shoots somebody in front of their ga- grandmother, and has sex with various <laughs> and <laughs> In his words, not mine. He also said that he also seems to brag about having sex with a girl in grade school, saying that he pulls up after school to teach her some <laughs> Now, I hope I'm not misinterpreting, but I can only assume he's not bragging about giving actual math lessons. Now, um... Debaby is, is not any different from the average rapper, but does that make it okay to openly romanticize death and slaughter and sexual violence? And if you're upset about derogatory comments about LGBT people, which means you're taking what this guy says seriously, you're holding him to a certain standard in his speech, then why wouldn't you be upset about literally everything else he's ever said in any of his songs? Just consider the absolute absurdity of a Debaby fan singing along as he talks about shooting hoes in the face and then going, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, don't be insensitive to LGBT people, baby. Come on, have some class, young man. Please understand something. I am not equating his song lyrics with what he said about gay people and AIDS. I would never do that. They're not the same. Because the song lyrics are a thousand times worse. They are worse not only in their content, but in their effect. You know, the violent crime problem in our cities is largely driven by young men who grew up without fathers in the home. Those young men look to guys like The Baby as role models. These rappers are 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 the only male role models that many of these kids have. So when these role models are standing in front of them and explicitly saying, "Hey, it's cool to shoot and kill people if you have a beef with them or even if you don't." That has an impact. That resonates it's not a coincidence that probably close to 100 percent of the murderers arrested in the city in, in, you know, in any given city listen to rap music. I bet we could comb through every penitentiary in the country in the country and, and find like two classical music fans, if that many. It's not a matter of rap music directly causing violent crime. We're talking about influence. The messages that you pump into your eardrums every day. Will influence you. Of course they will. And the messages from guys like The Baby are not just negative, not just bad, but they're almost absurdly evil, cartoonishly cruel. Only the people influenced by them don't see them as cartoonish, and the rappers themselves don't see it as cartoonish. Only well adjusted adults can hear these kinds of songs and find them laughably ridiculous. The rap fans who were upset about DaBaby's comments about gay people will probably hear what I'm saying right now and scoff, insisting that lyrics are just words and they don't mean anything, they don't have any real impact. And yet when it comes to the comments about gay people, they certainly do think it matters, and it does mean something, and it does have an impact. So for them, some words are violence, and yet words that literally and directly encourage violence are harmless. It's completely backwards and incoherent, and lying at the heart of all this is a demented and vacuous moral code, which excuses nearly all evil, applauds nearly all sin, except when it upsets a member of the protected class. It's a kind of elitism, except far more morally vacuous than normal elitism. And for all of those reasons, the mob, which is selectively outraged at baby, is today canceled. And uh, baby is canceled, too. But not even because of what he said about gay people. Uh, I'm more concerned, again, about the fact that he's going around encouraging people to kill each other. That, to me, seems like the bigger issue. Uh, So all those people are canceled today. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, the Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager Pavel Vadaski. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021.
4: John Bickley here, Daily Wire editor-in-chief. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, New York's Attorney General finds that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, New York City issues a citywide proof-of-vaccination mandate, and whistleblowers expose more troubling developments at the border. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire.